0: You're listening to Energy Insiders, a weekly update on clean energy and climate policy with Renew Economy's editor Giles Parkinson and leading energy analyst David Leach. Energy Insiders is brought to you by A Energy, experts in solar PV, storage and monitoring, and Watt Watches, providing super smart devices to monitor and manage energy use.
1: Hello and welcome to this episode of Energy Insiders. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy and joining me as usual is David Leach, ITK analyst and Renew Economy contributor. How are you?
2: Well, thanks Giles. Trust your will, trust all our listeners are well and trust our special guest
1: today as well. Indeed. Look, I'd like to welcome John Stretch, the uh, managing director of ERM Power to to the podcast. Um, Thanks for joining us, John. Pleasure, Giles. Hi, David. Hi. Look, um, just give us a bit of an overview of ER, erm power my understanding is that you are i think are you the biggest retailer dealing with um, business customers and the fourth largest retailer in the country um, correct me if some of those assumptions are wrong but um, uh, give, give a brief description uh, of what, what it is you do okay only both of
3: those assumptions are wrong
1: jaz so. oh
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: well that's a great start, isn't it
1: <laughs> assume oh. nothing assume nothing <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yes, you, I mean, ERM Power, in fact, you probably the best way to describe us is we're the largest retailer in the NEM that nobody has ever heard of. Ah, okay. Um, <laughs> we are the number two supplier uh, retailer to commercial and industrial uh, across the NEM, and we're the number three in terms of load uh, retailed uh, in Australia. We... Uh, this year we'll retail about 19 and a half terawatt hours. We have about 22% share in the commercial industrial, so we like to think of it that sort of one in five businesses, governments and industrials in Australia are our customers that we adore. And
2: ERM is a listed uh, listed company with a market capitalisation of about $450 million and also has a business in the United States and two Two generating units, one in the
3: NEM and one in West Australia. Yeah, Uh, look, uh, you know, if you sort of permit me a little, a couple of minutes just to describe the history of the company, because I think it's quite interesting. For the longest time, uh, we developed gas-fired power stations in Australia. So it was a small band of, you know, renegade entrepreneurial, you know, uh, developers who would go and find a plot of land and find an offtake agreement and find a technology partner and find a financing partner and then figure out how to land that sort of complex deal and build a power station. So there were sort of eight power stations that were built under that regime led by an entrepreneur called uh, Trevison Baker. Uh, and in 2007, the Queensland government said, we think that the re- being in retail is too risky for a government, which I think is a very good position to take. And it sold its uh, retail book, well, Ergon sold its retail book to AGL for a billion plus, And Energec sold their retail book to Origin for a billion plus. That was part of how AGL and Origin you know, entered business in this state. And there were a group of uh, you know smart guys in Ergon who thought you know the idea of working for AGL probably wasn't a great motivator. Came across the street to uh, Trevorson St. Baker and said, "Trevor, we think we could establish a new entrant retailer focused on commercial and industrial that would really blow the doors off." Trevor, being an entrepreneur, said. I've built power stations, it might be interesting to have a relationship with people who consume power, uh, and agreed to bankroll these guys for a couple of years to develop new systems and processes and win a couple of anchor customers. So by 2010, the thought was, yes, this is a business that could hum, which is then when the IPO happened at the end of 2010, to get the capital to do two things one was you know, the capital required to expand throughout Australia uh, as well as to buy the IT house that had developed the systems for ERM because you know people quickly figured out that that was the heart and lungs of a retailer and how you service customers was was the you know, your excellence in you know IT and process so bought uh, that company, uh, and the rest is history. Um, the focus has always been on customer satisfaction. To give the customer a price, and but give him a ser- give him service, which would lead him to just want to recontract and recontract again. Uh, and, to sp-
2: and to speed up that story, in the end, ERM consistently wins awards for having the best service to industrial companies. Uh, is over $2 billion of revenue. And so if we move along to the present day, uh, John, uh, what we see is that uh, we've got new challenges for retailers coming through with the, uh, I guess, the renewable guarantee is probably going to get more uh, problems for you, or more issues, more things to think about than the reliability right now. Um,
3: how, how are you thinking it will affect ERM's business in, in the future? Well, look. To be honest, we don't think it's going to affect our business at all. Um, you know, assuming that the 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 NEG comes out as something that's that's workable or implementable, because we are the only retailer that isn't long in baseload generation. Uh, you know, we source all of our energy, be it black or green, from the uh, uh, from the wholesale market. Um, you know, a a new construct will just mean we have to use those new constructs, whether it's, you know, whether it's green certificates and black energy, whether it's black energy and emissions and reliability, uh, you know, we will continue to, you know, use what's in market to to de-risk, if you like, the price for the customer. And of course, you, you know, we sit here and go, we're less worried about sort of technology And more worried about the fact that uh, deep and liquid wholesale markets are preserved, that competition issues aren't caused by the NEG. That's much more about you know our focus.
2: I'll come on to those but I I, I guess the um, you will have to uh, in ERM will have to increase its share of renewable energy uh, that it's contracted won't it as compared even allowing for your uh, uh, projects that you that you've already contracted.
3: Oh look Doug, Doug, we you know as a you know retailing 19 and a half terawatt hours we're always going to have to be contracting for both emissions and reliability if that's required and the megawatt hours in order to you know uh, hedge the customer load so you know we do see you will know, we'll be contracting with something different but in many ways it'll just be business as usual. And, and I'll come back to Giles in a second, but I just wanted
2: to ask, how are you seeing more generally the market for contracts and for volume and for price? We've heard, for instance, how how are your customers feeling about electricity prices? And I mean, forward prices are lower. They're a lot lower in Queensland than they were 18 months ago. Um, I guess, how, how do you see things developing over the, over the next little bit?
3: Well, look, I think we've seen an interesting, um transition with customers as they become educated around the fact that energy is a um, volatile commodity you know just like you know copper is and if a customer you know had a lot of copper in their supply chain they'd be thinking about you know what's the most efficient way to do the long term hedge but at the same time, they'd be thinking about how do I use copper more effectively, how do I find substitutes, you know, how do I reduce wastage in my operations and so forth. So the shock of the price increases that have sort of hit customers as they've recontracted over the last you know twelve to twenty-four months has caused a need you know a need within businesses or a a pull within businesses to get more educated about what's driving the price of that commodity then they get a little bit sort of irritated that they didn't understand and that they thought policy would look after them but policy had sort of sent them higher prices and less certainty but uh, you would have to say now right now customers have a little bit of feel like there's a little bit of breathing space because they see forward markets moderating. Uh, And at the same time, they sort of feel like they can start to think about controlling their own destiny in the way that they consume energy.
1: It's interesting on on that line, Um, we've seen a couple of big manufacturers, Um, I guess um, Sun Metals up in Queensland is an interesting one, just about to open a 124 megawatt solar farm. We've got Sanjeev Gupta signing a solar farm for the Steel Steelworks in Victoria and got big plans for his works in um, South Australia at Wyala and then in New South Wales. Others are also moving to renewables. Do those sort of um, decisions impact you or do they present opportunities for you or, or um, a, a, what, what's your reaction?
3: Oh, look, we think about them as, as certainly as presenting opportunities. Um, you know, the customers that are entering into long term offtake agreements, uh, you know, around, you know, their own solar builds, for example, they still need to source and have hedged uh, the energy that's going to be there when the, um, uh, when the sun doesn't shine. When, when, when <laughs> the sun doesn't shine.
1: The, fir, uh, the, fir, the firming energy or the wings.
3: Correct. Yes, and, that's right. So, and you've
1: just, you've just actually rolled out a contract um, to provide this.
3: Well, that's one of the, you know, I guess that's a good example a product, of what we say. do and what we do well. Given we're the largest, I mean, think about it, given we're the third largest retailer, we retail, you know, around about 10% of the NEM, yet we have no baseload, you know, cl- obviously we become the sort of largest net buyer in the wholesale market. And we think very hard about what opportunities there will be for us to present products to the market. And, you know, the example, uh, the recent example where we've you know, presented a solar shape, or the inverse of a solar shape, that a uh, solar developer can buy and then effectively be able to hedge their entire load uh, as firm, um, you know, is a it, you know is an interesting an interesting product. And these are all kind of early days as the uh, as the market. Uh, as the market develops but even we were a bit surprised by the um, level of interest that that product created. I think we wrote our first contract on the afternoon, which we announced it, uh, and we've had huge amounts of of interest in it.
2: And and you will have to, you know, because you are an intermediary and that inverse shape is going to be a kind of popular product, but the thermal generators will actually see you as coming. I mean, does your scale, I mean, they want to charge more for something that doesn't suit their particular load shape or get the return that they're missing out on with the solar uh, plant. Are you able to manage that
3: because of your scale, or do you think you've got an advantage in providing that that kind of service? Well, I think we've always we always feel like we've got an advantage because we can envisage the product and lock it in and go and sell it, and you know because of the scale and the experience and the and the way we think about these things. However, David, I think it is going to cause the market to really think about the fact that actually those non-windy non-sunny parts of the day are going to end up pretty expensive Um, and you know people who've been thinking about well i'll you know i'll write a long-term off take agreement against just the sunny and windy parts of the day and take my chances on the rest you know might have there might be a little bit of a learning that's going to happen for them as I say, I
2: think that your scale may give you some kind of comparative advantage and that uh, that perhaps we'll hear more about in the future. And just while we're on targets and things like that, I mean, you know, ERM's a Queensland company and Queensland in, on paper has the most ambitious renewable target in the NEM after South Australia at 50%. I mean, since the Queensland election, have you noticed any do you do you feel the Queensland? What's your feeling? Are they serious about it, or is it just something they tell people before an election?
3: <laughs> well, gee, I don't think that sort of thing ever happens. Uh, <laughs> no. um, look, uh, yes, yeah, we are a Queensland company. There's um, there's no doubt there's no doubt about that. Though about uh, of, of our Australian business, about thirty percent of our load is in Queensland. We actually do more business in New South Wales. Uh, than we do do in Queensland. Now, having said that, um, uh, yeah, the Queensland government are pretty serious about that 50% target. And if you just look at the large-scale renewable generation of projects that are either committed or part of some government program, there is a lot coming in. I mean, who knows whether it'll get to 50% by 2030, You know, it's a, you know, the the politicians will tell you that will happen. But, um, you know, you can certainly see out to 25, it's going to be a big number. In fact, by 20, it's going to be a decent number.
1: Now, you've contracted a couple of um, large-scale um, projects. Um, you've got a contract out for the Lincoln Gap Wind Farm, I think, for 114 megawatts. That's under construction in South Australia. Yep. I think you've got a contract out for Hamilton Solar Farm, um, one of the ones that's just about to come online in Queensland. That's right, yep. Um, I think I heard talk about another 300 megawatts, but I'm not too sure whether that included those two or that, that was over and above. Um, can you give any sort of indication on that? Or Yes, it could have included
3: those two. It could have been over and above. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> but more. To no, I mean, you know, Obviously, you know, we've got a voracious appetite for certificates, as we'll have a voracious appetite for emissions, given we're mm-hmm. buying on behalf of you know 22 of uh, you know of the commercial load, um, and we. You know, I guess the way to think about it is, given we have to meet those commitments we are a um, you know an attractive party for just about everyone to talk to uh, talk- and some deals we will do you know uh, on market some deals we will work through and wait until you know they get uh, uh, closure the the financial closure so you know we, we, i think the way to think about it is we've done a bunch we buy a bunch in the market
1: we'll continue to do to do stuff, and and when it's ready, we'll talk about it. Last year, just talk about the LGC strategy. I mean, last year you made a few headlines because um, you didn't um, you you chose to meet the penalty price for a um, for just under ten percent, I think it was, of the obligation, and that was a strategy that allowed you to sort of pay a nominal predatory price now but in fact there's a three gig grace so what you can actually do is actually buy in the market later when those LGC prices will be much lower Mm. and so actually make an advantage and it was interesting that um, the Clean Energy Regulator was talking about this at Energy Week in Melbourne um, this week and expecting more retailers to do the same. So. I think you did quite well out of that. I'm, I'm, maybe I'm not mistaken, because um, I got the whole thing wrong in the first place, but um, you made a sizable profit, I think, pre tax, $45 million. Are you thinking of doing that again?
3: Yeah, look, let's sort of clear up a couple of things. The first is we didn't pay a penalty price. We paid a shortfall charge. Shortfall And, okay. and the And the, the Act allows for that because it recognises that uh, it takes you longer to get a, um, a renewables development up than the one-year window to surrender certificates. So you, you know, th- that's why that's an absolutely allowable deal. We paid, you know, I, I can't remember the number exactly, but think it's something like $120 million. We wrote a cheque for the government the day we did that. So, you know, really what we did was gave them the money as if it was 65 bucks. And then, you know, we'll get a refund as we will get a refund of that money as we surrender certificates uh, uh, to meet the shortfall from, you know, as you say, up to three years, up to three years before. So this is a good thing. The Clean Energy Regulator at the time yeah, was a bit antsy because we had announced the shortfall or our intention to shortfall before we announced the details around the um, uh, renewables uh, investments that we were making. So, you so know, the that, optics uh, weren't so good. Well, well let's but, not worry about the optics. Let's yeah, talk about the... So, fr- so we did that. and. You know, I don't know. I, I wasn't. I haven't heard what David said about uh, the the um, uh, David Parker said about the you know shortfalls continuing, but I think you know it it probably will make sense for some others to do that. That mm-hmm.
2: you, you and, and your profit uh, will come from the certificates that are produced that you that from Lincoln uh, and from Hamilton, but I mean the price for those won't be that much different to 65 dollars i mean i don't know what the price is but you know prices are in the 50 to 60 dollar range aren't they
3: but i guess you you know uh david you've got to think about you know you're not doing a one-year deal so you're not going to be buying prices in that year uh you know when you do a if, you know at what the forward price looks like you you might be doing a a yeah, much longer-term deal at which the average price is lower. So at the front end, you're surrendering. You know, you're going to be surrendering them for less than $65, uh, or you know, you, you, we have already paid $65 for them. We'll get a $65 refund, but we may have spent you know a little bit less on them. That's right, and, and then uh, I don't want to
2: bog everyone down with uh, mark-to-market accounting, but if you look at, out to 2022, the certificate price is something like $20, mm. and you may be buying, or some other uh, generator may be buying under contract at a higher price than
3: that. Would you have to mark those down to market then? I, I can't actually remember how that works. Uh, I'm the wrong person to go yeah. to, to talk to about that, but suffice to say... You know we think very hard about you know what that what that long term price is and and we have a house view and if we can buy it for less than what the house view is then it's a good deal yeah
2: and and i guess myself that i think the rec certificate price will become less important to than than the neg or the queensland target or whatever a separate market will develop for for the energy I just, uh, I think Australia is of most interest to the people that uh, listening, but I nevertheless wanted to ask about if you had to compare your prospects in the United States or the United States market uh, with with the Australian market, and, and you were starting from scratch today, which market would you choose?
3: Uh, look, yeah, I, I guess it's difficult to answer that question, David, because what we did in Australia was come into a market that was poorly served and had quite a lot of inefficiency. So the gross margin was quite high. So whilst we were able to cro- price compete to win share and then deliver a world-class service which gave us that customer satisfaction and then the leading sort of recontracting market-leading recontracting rate, You couldn't do that today because, you know, the market is now at a gross margin of, you know, $5 a megawatt hour. It's not at $20 a megawatt hour. So, you know, if you were doing market entry today, uh, you know, you would probably have to do something quite different in Australia than what we did, what we did 10 years ago. Um, And in fact, that's what we, you know, that's where, you know, in the US, uh, you know, where you know, it's quite a long haul to drive the sort of scale you require to have the right opex, to have the right uh, customer satisfaction and renewal rates, and to be knowledgeable in the wholesale market to be able to, you know, optimise your portfolio. You know, you, you're really talking sort of a, a you know, a five year investment, um, and you know, we're on that path, but, but. Would we start that again in Australia? I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it's a 10 year investment
2: path myself, but but I, 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 maybe it'll turn out to be five. And and then if I, one, I think we have to go on and talk about the sort of news of the week in a moment, John, and it's been a fascinating discussion, but I just wanted to ask you one more question. And that is that you are still basically largely a retailer in a world that is domin- dominated increasingly by gen tailors. Are you still happy with that position?
3: Oh, absolutely I um, you know I think the first thing we've got to recognize is you know the the generators have had a wonderful two or three years where prices have gone through the roof and therefore you know profitability has gone through the roof but let's not forget it was not that many years before that <laughs> that there were you know horrendous you know massive write-downs blood of, on the streets exactly so you know whilst you know, we all get a bit irritated. And if I was a large consumer of electricity, I'd be really irritated. Um, you know, they're having a moment in the sun, you know, which has brought them out of something horrific a while ago. And, you know, everyone looks at it and says, it's it's not, it's actually the future's not looking that great either. So, um, you know, so you, when you think, you know, when we think of sort of the long term, and we think of, you know, the plethora of renewables that are going to come in, the technology and the financial uh, products that are going to be able to firm that. Um, you know, it's it's great to not be long energy, you know, in in this market. The second thing, which I think is, you know, w- which is part of our sort of core proposition, is. We are very comfortable working with customers, helping them reduce their consumption or make their consumption more efficient, or you know even more importantly, you know in the future have them tailor their consumption to the you know the cheaper parts of the 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 shape, um, because we're not long electricity and because we have this tremendous. Uh, customer preference, You know, our investment in energy solutions and giving customers sort of digital insights into their consumption and how they can improve it is a, is a pretty exciting thing. And none of our competitors can go there.
2: Yeah, I, I, I can accept
1: that. I can accept that. But um, Giles, sorry. Yeah, I've just got a couple of quick questions. Um, you're a part of a group of 10 retailers that... Um, um, made a public, very public intervention into the debate around the National Energy Guarantee. Are, are you feeling a bit more comfortable about the NEG um, after the latest um, update, the, the high level description?
3: Oh, look, there's there's no doubt if you read the paper in October and there was talk of bespoke bilateral contracting, if you were a standalone retailer, you would say, well, how can there be a liquid market? How can there be you know um, transparency how can there be uh, you know um, uh, uh, price discovery uh, and that was something that was very troubling now I think the ESB have been outstanding in the way that they have run this consultation and taken input and actually sat back and said yep you're right that's gonna be an issue of competition that's going to you know, and we and and we can't be in a situation where uh, uh, competition is lessened because we know that leads to higher prices. So yeah, we're delighted. We ran a a pretty strong argument. We chose to run that argument within the ESB. You know, you didn't find us sitting on you know conferences and. And, you know, front pages of papers, you know, we we talked logically with with a, you know, um, thoughtful um, group of people and, you know, we're pleased with the outcome. There's still a lot of detail and we're just going into um, the next phase, but, you know, um, we're quite comfortable with where it's at and we'll continue to
1: work with them to, you know, hmm. get into the detail. I'm not too sure if it was that discreet, I think that letter did actually make the front pages of, of, of um, at least one paper, but um, just with, with with the NEG, are you um, pushing for higher emissions target? I mean, is that something that you are comfortable with, um, if it can happen politically? And I'm just interested in your take just on this, You know, are you comfortable in an energy system which has got extremely high levels of renewable energy? You've got Queensland going for 50%, you've got South Australia well above that now. Um, you've got Labour recommending at least fifty percent by twenty thirty. Are you comfortable with those sort of targets?
3: Absolutely. I mean, you know, again, you know, the targets will be set outside of the NEG, and you know, with some sort of rules rules around that. But our expectation that they'll 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 move and probably get larger from a political aspect. But you know, I think we all have got a pretty good feeling of the fact that the technology will just allow that to happen. Um, you know, as we get, you know, sort of more effective firming capability, you know, it will just grow that way. But as I said, we're sort of agnostic to the wholesale market. Um, we back ourselves with the scale and, and you know, the sort of people and process that we have here uh, to be able to manage, you know, in that environment, whatever it is, in terms of emissions and reliability targets on behalf of our customers.
1: Well, good stuff, John. Look, um, thanks for joining us, David. I'm not too sure we're gonna go around um, for some of the news of the week because um, I'm not too sure there was that much that we really have to jump into.
2: No, Um, I I agree, and I'd like to add my thanks to John. It's a, a great discussion. Uh, from someone who is actually on the battlefields as opposed to uh, talking about the theory of it. Uh, The only thing I encourage readers is to keep reading about the integrated system plan, uh, which I still think is the document which appears in June, uh, which is going to be driving uh, a lot of how how the NEM looks in 10 or 15 years time, part of a gradual shift of power from the AMC to the AMO. Yes, go on, you're going to say. Can
3: I just make a comment on that integrated systems plan? I, I, I think that is a really, really important uh, uh, piece of work that needs to be done you know we have seen uh, recently where the loss factors in Queensland have come out we've seen the curtailment plans for some of the large uh, renewables in South Australia and in and in Victoria you know we it's great to have all of this renewable these renewable farms coming in but they've got to be in a place where the the uh, network is robust and the energy can get to the consumers. And it makes no sense to put it somewhere where, you know, it stops other energy getting out. So, you know, this this I think is underplayed in terms of the importance of our renewables transition.
2: Yeah, that's right. one of the debates around that is going to be the AC versus DC. I think a big decision facing the planners is whether they should actually go for the modern... Uh, DC technology, not just for the long distances, but actually the medium voltages and medium distances. But that, that'll have to be another another podcast,
1: uh, Giles. Absolutely, and thanks for making that point, John. Um, in fact, Renew Economy has been um, covering these details, um, these subjects in quite quite some detail, both on the marginal loss factors, um, the system constraints in Victoria and some of the modelling that um, has been released as part of the lead-up to the integrated system plan. And I do urge readers to actually have a look at that because it is quite fascinating modelling. It does talk about this changing energy system mm-hmm. um, and all that goes with it. And it's going to be interesting to see what they come up with. Look, John, once again, um, thank you very much for joining us. Um, John Stretch from ERM Power. and um, Thanks I'm to our sponsors. <laughs> and thanks to our sponsors, Solar Ray Energy and What Watches. And um, we'll talk the same time next week. Thank you very much. Thanks, Bye-bye. guys.
0: Energy Insiders was brought to you by Solarray Energy, leading innovators of smart energy management technology. Experts in solar PV, storage and monitoring, they're the smart choice for consumers and business. Visit solarray.com.au and secure your energy future today. Energy Insiders was also brought to you by Wattwatches, makers of ultra-smart devices to manage electricity use and costs, accurately monitor and control electrical circuits over the internet in real time. Visit wattwatches.com.au and take control of your energy use.